Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And this week, we're taking a different shift yet again, and we are going to hit the health and medical world. I'm so delighted, as today I have Dr. Cheryl Netterfield joining us. And Cheryl is a medical doctor. She had done her residency in family medicine through the University of Calgary, and then she has some great experience, which I'm really excited to talk to her about with the Department of National Defense. And she's now turned physician entrepreneur. So Dr. Cheryl, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing well. It's so lovely to meet you and have you on the podcast and just so excited to talk to you about so many things. So let's just dive right in. I would love to hear what was your aspirations to get into medicine? And then the second part of that question is, why did you decide to start your practice and experience with the Department of National Defense here in Canada? Okay, well, when I think about uh, going into medicine, that was many, many years ago. I remember being in junior high and high school and loving biology and sciences and math and not so much into the history and geography and English. And I was always fascinated with the science classes related to anatomy and the biology with it. I just thought it was a natural choice. I didn't know of many other professions. And looking back now, I didn't even know what engineering was when I was in high school. I didn't have any engineers in my family. So the choices were, you know, nurse, doctor, lawyer, the typical um, professions that we think about. So that was set out fairly, fairly soon for wanting to go into medical, medical school. When I was in medical school, uh, along comes a luncheon from the military to try and recruit physicians to join the military. And they wanted to find physicians that were in training that had already done a couple of years of medical, uh, medical training or at least one. <clears throat> and then they had the lunch. And I actually missed the luncheon. A friend of mine went to it and reported back to me later saying, Cheryl, this would be a really good idea for you. They give you a salary, you're you're sporty, you're athletic, um, you you are kind of a fit for that. And I I decided to check it out. And of course, medical school is expensive and I didn't have a lot of money. So that was a bit of uh, an incentive at the time. And I went to the recruiting uh, office and talked to them and found out that it was something I was interested in. And the time that I had to pay back was three years, three, four years after I finished my degree in my residency. And funny enough, I didn't get accepted the first year that I applied. Uh, They said that they had enough doctors and I said, oh, well, that's interesting. And then literally within one year later, (laughs) they phoned me at home and said, oh, we're actually really short of doctors. We would like you to join now. And that was the start of my military time. 
I thought I was only going to be in for the three to four years afterwards. And 24 and a half years later, I finally retired uh, three and a half years ago. And that's, uh, that's my history with the military, uh, Deb. Now, very interesting that you were thinking it was going to be just a few years. So you must have really fell in love with the position and just the role of being a physician in the military. And you've now transitioned to be an entrepreneur and you're the co-founder and CEO of Pum Health. So can you tell us how that journey came about and what you've launched into now as a physician entrepreneur? I was uh, always fascinated with changing medical processes to make them more efficient. And that's what I'm doing right now with, with Palm Health. It, uh, when, when you have a desire like that to make something better and you recognize that digitally that is the only way for it to be accomplished, you have to figure out a way to do it. And while I was in the military, I started thinking about this idea and it didn't follow through within the military itself. But then I thought, well, I will just have to pursue this when I finish the military and, and design an app or develop an app. And I didn't know anything about technology development at the time. I learned as much as I could. I was lucky enough that I was able to go to an entrepreneurial boot camp at Memorial University when I was just finishing up with the military. And that gave me some confidence to get kickstarted into this world. And then for a couple years after the military, I was doing this very part-time, working with the University of Ottawa, with uh, students. And until I started at Invest Ottawa in, the, in January of 2019, uh, 2019 <clears throat> I was then dedicated to start working on it full-time. And it's been full-time since then, and that's where I am today. And I know that you are also involved in the Founder Institute Toronto Summer Program, which is another initiative. And I'd love to hear how that came about and kind of what your passion is for that project. It's, it's funny how I found out about it. There are a lot of applications for grants and funding uh, going on right now. And I try to keep up on, on them the best that I can. And I've been on the Founder Institute emailing list for quite some time. And one of their emails came out and said, we have a virtual program for Toronto this summer. Apply for it. Here's the deadline. And I started filling out the application. And the application is quite different than any that I've ever, ever uh, completed before. They actually have uh, some questions about your background, your knowledge in your area of expertise. And then there's a, a psychological assessment, for lack of a better, a better term. And they're doing pattern recognition. And then your self-assessment or insight into your own personality traits and behaviors. And it was one of the weirdest applications that I ever filled out. <laughs> I finally finished that, sent, you know, pushed the submit button. And a day or two later, I got an email saying, you've been accepted into the program. And I kind of chuckled. When I opened up the email uh, a little bit better and looked into the program, I actually decided that this was the perfect program for me to be in right now. It is a pre-seed accelerator program. It helps founders through weekly classes and assignments get very, very focused on their, on their company. And there's a lot of deliverables. There's a lot of work. <clears throat> Currently, there's 80 
I think 80 to 85 people that started out in the cohort uh, from all over. In fact, one of the members in my working group is from Spain and we call in and talk to each other uh, twice a week and then we have sessions every Wednesday evening. And I am very grateful for being in the Founder Institute right now because it, it has uh, kept me on a schedule and has forced me to do activities related to my business that I might have been procrastinating or I wasn't quite sure how to do. So the movement that I've had in the past, um, less, than the, le less than the last month, has been quite um, accelerated. And I feel really good about where things are going. I, I guess I'm very uh, goal-oriented uh, or outcome-oriented, and I feel like I've accomplished quite a bit uh, just in the last uh, three weeks. Well, it's, it's a nice lead-in to talk about why I titled this podcast Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. What do you bring to medicine and to what you do as a physician and now an entrepreneur? What heart-centered characteristics do you feel that you have as a leader, Cheryl? When I think of the experiences I've had as a physician in the military, I've seen quite a few things. Uh, the, the practice with the military was very specific. When I say that, it was from people who were 17, 18, up to the age 55, 60, mainly men, uh, but also under some very odd circumstances, uh, overseas, on deployments. And you get to understand a lot more about your patient, but you also get to understand a lot more about yourself. And I think that's one of the things uh, that, I'm, uh, that I'm bringing into my leadership roles now and didn't always recognize that. I knew that as a military physician and as a senior officer in the military, I, I, by definition, I would have transferable skills that would um, serve me well uh, beyond my years in the military. And now I'm proving that and testing myself out in those waters and leading people who have nothing to do with medicine. Uh, I talk to more engineers and technical people on a daily basis than I do other healthcare providers. Uh, I have to work with uh, students, um, which I really enjoy, and guiding them towards the vision that I have for my company so that they can assist me the best way that they can. And I think that years of hard work, uh, which you have to have to get into medical school, and then the environment of the military leads well to uh, the resilience and I think the ethical and, and decisions and integrity uh, that I must have to make some tough calls at times. So I think that that is, uh, that's, that's given me a great foundation uh, for where I am right now and where I hope to be in a number of years from now leading something that is, a, you know, very successful. Absolutely. I, I think you, you basically said it eloquently that military training, I think some grit, I definitely think some tenacity, but having those transferable skills, which leads me to talk and uh, bring up again, I want to talk about Palm Health. And I know that it's a customizable communication platform. And 
your goal was to create it because you wanted to address the issue of inefficient provider and patient communication and collaboration. Hence the acronym PUM, Patient Outcome Management and Measurement. So share with me where this idea came from. I'm sure you witnessed some of the inefficiencies. And what have you kind of seen now that you've opened that gateway with this app? And what are some of the main inefficiencies that you can chat about that you maybe saw and witnessed repetitively that you really, really wanted to make an imprint on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, um, everything that you say is definitely the reason why I'm so excited and passionate about doing this. There are a variety of different healthcare providers that could be taking care of a patient uh, at any one time. And the more complex the patient, the more uh, variety there is in the healthcare providers. And I'm referring to the licensed, non-licensed allied healthcare providers, um, and including the patient and the family, because they have a role in the patient's care also. Each one of us, uh, especially the healthcare providers, learns a different language through their training. Uh, the nurse will learn her language from her, her nursing college. Uh, the physician will learn their training somewhere else. And our languages don't sync up very well. In fact, when I've done chart reviews and I go into a medical chart, be it paper or electronic, when I am reading reports from other medical specialists who have had four or five years training beyond what I've done in their specific area, I can't even understand some of their documents. I have to look it up or I don't know what it means in context. And as a result, we do not work collaboratively very well. And the word collaboratively is thrown around very loosely. It means that you know the sum of all the different parts are, are better than what it would have been if we were working individually. And I see that more as collation. Um, dumping a bunch of information into electronic medical record or into a file doesn't mean you're working collaboratively. So it's a matter of trying to get clinicians, all the different healthcare providers, the patient and the family, uh, meeting in one place. And I see Palm Health, uh, the, that platform, being that one place. And I've designed it to be customizable so that the templates where these individuals put their information are customizable for the patient, um, for the patient needs, and or the environment that they're in right now. For example, you could have uh, two completely different templates, one for a person who's just had a stroke and one for somebody who's had PTSD. And the more customized and patient-centric we make that, the better it will serve the patient and their needs. Well, it's music to my ear, Cheryl. I used to be a community-based case manager and specialized in neurotrauma. And it used to be a frustrating element for me that that collaboration wasn't there when you've got an employer and insurance companies and lawyers involved. And I, and I used to take a similar approach to what you're doing. And I used to include everybody on all my reports because I figured collaboration was best if everybody knew what was going on in the now, having that snapshot, that medical report to really give some insight and updates to that person's medical rehab. 
And I just always found it to be a win-win situation because everybody knew what was going on. So I'm just kudos to you for creating that platform and having that background and, and seeing firsthand kind of what was missing in the system and being able to come forward with a really good strategy to hopefully make an imprint and make things better. I want to just switch gears for a minute and talk about COVID-19 and some of the positive elements that have come out of that as it relates to health and, and medicine as a whole. What have you witnessed in terms of telehealth services and kind of the health medical trends as it relates to, I guess I'll frame it as virtual care or digital health? Mm -hmm, yeah. We have been long overdue for the introduction of digital health in medical healthcare delivery. COVID has accelerated this significantly because we were under a constraint to find a, deliver, a deliverable um, product for healthcare without compromising safety for the patients and the care providers. Interestingly enough, when we first uh, had the um, directions to do social isolation or physical distancing back in March. <clears throat> we, we, as a medical community, were starting to ramp up some virtual care services. And I remember in March signing up online to help out by doing virtual care consults from, from my home on my computer. And I think in Ontario alone, about... 1,100, 1,200 uh, doctors signed up. I'm going to assume that many of them were family doctors. And they onboarded 200 of them through an Ontario uh, health network for virtual care. But the first day that they opened, which was in April, the very beginning of April, only 50 people called in. And we recognized that people weren't aware of it, or maybe they weren't comfortable with it. And also what that meant was that there are many people who probably didn't have access to computers or laptops in their homes. And those would have been the populations that might have needed it the most. So we've identified a lot of gaps with how we can deliver healthcare in a new uh, digital frame. There's lots that can be done over the phone and through virtually, but there is a very, very specific list of items during an assessment that we cannot do very well over the phone. We cannot do them virtually. And those patients still need to come in. The, the interesting thing is, is that many people, <clears throat> many, many people, and I don't know the exact numbers, uh, have avoided medical care for fear of getting COVID. So they haven't gone into the doctor, they haven't gone into the hospital. And we have to figure out a way to deal with these people who are now a backlog uh, of care <clears throat> because it exists all over Canada, all over the world, where people are waiting. And the current conditions that they have most likely have decompensated somewhat, but they haven't recognized it at home on their own. Um, a friend of mine <clears throat> has a paramedic as a son, and he has stated that uh, since the uh, pandemic, that the people who are calling in are, are truly sick. They need the care. They need to go to the emergency. They need to go right now. And people just aren't aware of when to go in and they're, they're worried. Um, especially in Ottawa, the hospitals uh, are, are some of the safest places to go right now. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, we don't have uh, many or if any at all 
COVID cases in the ICU. So Ontario and Ottawa specifically is doing quite well and we need to get people back to their level of health or better than what they were before. And digital health is gonna help us do that. Um, the adoption of it has been very rapid. Uh, Ontario MD, who is a digital expert in healthcare, has stated that it'll never go back to the way it was before. So we have a lot of opportunities now to move forward and find a variety of ways to deliver healthcare that hopefully will be much more efficient than what we've been doing up to this point in time. Well, I think we've learned some good lessons. I think we're seeing lots of different new strategies. But like you said, there's there's always an element of, I don't want to say negative, but now we're we're struck with the backlog of patients because the hospitals have been so streamlined to adhere to the provincial protocol. How do you think the future looks in terms of multidisciplinary approach to diagnosis? And what I mean by that is, if a patient presents with a certain symptom, but they don't fit into the box of what the physician or specialist has been trained, I find sometimes, and I witness this a lot as a case manager, that a patient can bounce from one discipline to another. And, it's, and it really takes a toll on their emotional health. And I know you've presented on this. And I'd love to get your opinion on that and maybe your own personal and professional opinion of how can we kind of curtail that in the future so that it doesn't land up being such a lengthy process and then the patient lands up having some mental health because of it. Yeah, very interesting. Um, there is a lot of complex cases out there. Uh, as a family physician, I've seen a number over the years but the most difficult cases I probably have never seen before because they've been uh, uh, steered from another family doctor uh, towards a specialist. Um, the medical professions that are the best to handle complex cases are the family doctor and the internal medicine specialist because they have the general knowledge um, to be able to put together the pieces. And that's what I've enjoyed about family medicine the most but we do have our limitations. We know uh, a lot, but in a little amount about everything. <clears throat> and then we do have our own areas of interest also. So we take it as far as we can go and then uh, get assistance uh, from all the specialists out there to learn more about the patient on their behalf as in an advocacy role. The hard thing about this is that every time we may refer to a specialist, that specialist isn't talking to the other specialist that we refer to. And we're not in a room talking about it uh, together at the same time. Uh, there are instances in hospital rounds where all of the different clinicians get together and they talk about it. And those are very productive. And with everybody in the room, uh, you can find out these solutions. But our, our system doesn't work that way. We can't all be in a room at the same time, uh, all talking about one patient at a time. Again, not efficient. And the biggest problem is that we're not speaking to each other in context. And what means, um, what is important to one clinician is not necessarily as relevant to their area. And the details uh, don't get filled in. There's lots of holes to be plugged. There's lots of gaps that need to be filled. And uh, I really like the analogy of puzzle pieces. Um, the puzzle pieces haven't fit together. And that's why there's gaps in communication. And as long as we all speak different languages and we take different notes and we work in different locations, this is still gonna be a problem. Um, 
having said that, having family doctors being the gatekeeper for the majority of specialists out there, um, I would have appreciated as a family physician if I had more time to spend with my patient and more time to put all the puzzle pieces together and coordinate that effort uh, more than what I did uh, in the past. Having worked for the military, I was a salaried physician, loved working as a salaried physician. I had the luxury of more time uh, to spend with each patient. I had the ability to refer to various specialists that uh, were accessible because some of those specialists were also in uniform. And I find that fee-for-service um, practice is, is extremely difficult. And the time frame that you spend with the patient is not as much that would benefit that collaborative um, puzzle piece uh, activity that uh, I've alluded to. So there's um, the way that the system is set up. I do think that salaried medicine is the way to go. I would love to see more and more of that because I found it extremely fulfilling as a physician. And that is the way that I would always prefer to deliver medicine um, in, in any clinical setting for myself. Well, my, my entrepreneur wheels are turning here and I'm wondering, I love the analogy of the puzzle piece because that's truly what it is. So if there's a complex file and you've got multiple health professionals, clinicians, et cetera, involved, I'm thinking maybe this could be another level on your Palm Health app to have some kind of integration, whether it's community-based, OHIP funded, et cetera. I think it, it lends a hand for a futuristic approach where that may be a barrier that you'll be able to eliminate by kind of integrating that almost like they do in the hospital when they do the uh, voice recognition dictating uh, mm -hmm. to have that central repository. So I'm seeing that maybe as a, a future hurdle for you that you can uh, eliminate to have that interdisciplinary approach. Well, that, that is exactly what I'm trying to aim with the platform right now. Um, I'm asking the platform to collect information that we're currently not collecting. I find that a lot of the information that we collect in healthcare that's in our, our chart um, is, is necessary, but is not always relevant and pertinent to the decisions that we make. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of fluff in there. And being able to share information in a way so that everybody can look at it and make better decisions um, it is going to be very helpful. It's just a matter of uh, coordinating it to ensure that everybody who's on the healthcare team uh, knows what their role is, knows what they have to do, and will find the efficiency in it and then hopefully enjoy the process so that it makes their lives easier uh, as a healthcare provider also. Well, it's certainly an exciting time for you and you're bringing so much rich experience from the military and now working with this app. So for me, uh, I just think it's gonna be such a great approach for this platform. And it's not like technology's new to us, Cheryl. We, yeah. I think we're, we're migrating and adapting as, uh, as things unfold here. So I like to end the podcast with what I call my fab four. And these are just four fun questions for you, Cheryl. And it's just whatever's on the top of your mind to, <laughs> to let me know the answer. So for 2020, have you read a favorite book or are you in the midst of reading a favorite book? What's on your book reading list? 
<laughs> okay, well, that's fun. All of the books that I'm reading right now are related to my business. So I have one here in my mind called Testing Business Ideas. Um, I just received it, actually. It's, uh, I just received it through uh, the mail. I will get started on this, but it's not uh, a philosophical book. It's more of uh, how to design experiments to find the best way to deliver my product. So that's, that's sitting here right beside me. <laughs> You're in full entrepreneurial mode. Oh, Good yeah, no, you. no, it's, it's, yes. Um, okay, so next fun question. <laughs> What's your favorite memory? And it can be career-wise, it can be personal. When you're asked that question, which, what pops in your mind? <laughs> okay, um, I used to golf a lot when I was younger. And when I was 15 years old, um, golfing in Manitoba, I was asked to be the under 16 representative on the junior girls Manitoba team. We went as a team to London, Ontario and played at a course, I think by the name of Sunningdale. And I didn't play very well. I didn't make the cut for the last day of the tournament. But on one of my rounds, I am extremely, extremely proud to say that I one-putted from the 10th hole to the 18th hole on every single green. And that was really exciting, and I don't know why that memory popped up, but uh, it's quite an accomplishment to one-putt every green, uh, nine greens in a row. Uh, my score was still high because I was in the bushes a lot during that game, but <laughs> that's a funny memory that just popped up into my head just now. Well, I live in London, Ontario, and I'm very familiar with that golf course, and it's a beautiful course. And are you still a golfer today? Uh, not as much, just because I don't give myself the excuse to take four or five hours off to go play a round of golf at this time. Um, so at this moment in time, not really. So as, as a previous case manager and a educator and lover of self-care, I'm going to say <laughs> my prescription for you, Cheryl, is a little self-care, nine holes, or maybe even getting out and hitting some golf balls to, to shed off some of that entrepreneurial uh, work that you have to do right now. Uh, the hardest part is, is that I'm extremely competitive still. Obviously, uh, being an entrepreneur, you cannot be not competitive, but um, I, I don't know what it'd be like to go hit a bucket of balls right now and then watch where they're going. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to be very patient that day with myself. Well, honest, honesty is the best policy, right? <laughs> now, with um, being a physician and starting your new business, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, the most important legacy, obviously, is with my daughter um, to ensure that she's happy and healthy and enjoys the choices that she's made in her life. Uh, so that's that's the number one uh, legacy. Uh, when it uh, comes to myself, uh, the legacy that I have for myself is to ensure that I've done the best that I can. And I think that I have found the right niche at this time for my life uh, because Doing this makes me feel good every day. Um, the legacy with the company would be to 
truly find a product like this platform that uh, makes people's lives easier. I mean, the healthcare providers, because this is, this is what this is about and allow them to deliver the best care that they can. Uh, it's always about patient outcomes. That's it, never been a doubt in my mind, but we have to make it, it um, <clears throat> easier for the healthcare providers and the allied healthcare providers uh, to do that more efficiently because I think they're stressed to the max and uh, life needs to be better for them too. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I, I think you're the right person. And I think, uh, I'm a big proponent that good things happen to good people. And I, I think that you've worked really hard. And I think the platform you're establishing is really going to help a lot of people. And my last question is, what advice would you give to a young student who's considering medicine? Oh, medicine is an amazing, uh, truly amazing profession to go into. And you'll never know where it takes you. Uh, there are millions of doors to be opened through medicine. It is a privilege and an honor to listen to uh, people's stories, be it the patients, their family, or other uh, healthcare professionals that you meet, uh, hospital workers, anybody out in the community. And uh, there is so much satisfaction by uh, helping people and finding out um, the solutions, the paths to get you to solve that complex problem. Uh, it's very fulfilling and very rewarding. And I'm very, very blessed to have gone into medicine and have gotten um, to be where I am today. And I had no idea this is what I would be doing today. Uh, but that entry into medicine has allowed me to do all this. So even though I'm not practicing typical medicine in the way that you would envision a, a physician is, uh, I can make an impact as a doctor because of my knowledge uh, for, many other, for many other clinicians out there. So it, um, medicine has a lot of doors and it provides a wonderful, a wonderful life for those who will grab it and, 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 and run with it. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I really want to thank you for your time today on the podcast. And I want to wish you all the best in your new endeavors with Palm Health. I think you're, you're, a, you're a shining light down a road that's really needed. So all the best to you, Cheryl. And I end the podcast with my favorite five things. Follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth, and be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow. Thank you for joining me once again on Imperfect, the heart-centered leadership podcast. <laughs>